Hey, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray, joined again by Ian O'Neill. Ian, welcome back. Hey, Gray, thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Um, I think we jinxed them last time, as we <laughs> always, t- as as we as we tend to do, um, with, with our our swagger and confidence that clearly comes from two fans who have not been doing this their whole lives and should have known better. Um, yeah. <laughs> City one, Millersboro one. Um, as as um, as we've seen a couple times this year, a very dominant first half in which it looked like they were going to blow the doors off them, especially once they broke them down and scored the first goal, and then a second half that looked nothing like the first and was all one of, if not the most disappointing halves of football that this team has played all season. So let's start right from the beginning. Did Pep? Pick- yeah. Did did Pep pick the wrong team? Should we have seen okay, well, Sterling, yeah. Otamendi, Nolito, Fernando, whoever? Did did he get it wrong? Basically, no. I mean, I didn't see any real. I mean, I'm not really sure because apparently Sterling's going to play for England, so I don't, I'm not really sure what the deal is with that. Uh, but that being said, Navas played really well. He played really well. Um, it wasn't great. You know, it's not going to be always about the lineup, you know, it's just if they're going to play well. Yeah. I mean, I can, I want to put this out there before, you know, I'm not being, um, you know, uh, devil's advocate here or anything like that, but I completely agree with you. The team was plenty good enough to get something out of the game. I just saw it bandied about a few people said, Oh, you should have done this and this and this. And I, I wanted to raise the topic, um, because I didn't agree. Um, I believe that the official line from Pep was that Sterling and Otamendi needed to be rested because um, ne- neither of them even made the bench. Um, I, I I just, that team was plenty good enough to get something out of this game. And I think that blame the team selection is a distraction from what actually happened. So it's not. Well, what, Ray, what are the, yeah. what are the realistic Changes that would have made this. Yeah, this I, I guess you put someone in for Navas, but like you said, Navas played Why? well. He played. Um, he, he was one of the be- the better players on, yeah. the, on the entire pitch. Um, and you know you can you can say Otamendi at center back, but the back line, you know, they, they had moments of frailty. We'll, we'll 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 I think it's safe to say, but at the same time, I don't think that prevents anything that happened at the end of the game, which was basically Clichy failing to jump for it um, and just getting beaten on, on the goal by uh, Darun. So I, I don't think he got it wrong. I think the team should have won and should have won comfortably. And I don't think yeah. he could do anything yeah. that would change that. Well, you know, I watched um, the, the, the equalizing goal. Uh, I think I probably watched about 10 times. And it is, um, it's a beautiful goal. But it's a terrible defending there. And actually are four city defenders in the box with only two attacking players. And Darun makes a run all the way from the other side of the field. And Clichy doesn't even know he's there. It's, an, it's horrible defending. Um, but like you said, this should, that shouldn't have even mattered. The game should have been killed off. Yeah. Already. Exactly. And we will get into that because I, it's starting to feel like a broken record, but we'll, we will get into it. Um, I thought there were pl- some players who weren't really... Uh, maybe there was a bit of a Barcelona hangover in effect. Yeah. Fernandinho had one of his worst games of the year, I thought, honestly, because he gave the ball away a couple times very uncharacteristically. Um, I don't really want to pick him out because I don't think he was really at fault either way, but... Um, the, the, it just seemed like there were a few players, he being one of them, and a couple others that just really struggled to impose themselves on on the game, because in the first half, Billsborough were parking the bus. There's no two ways about it. They had eleven back. They were going to to try and, and force us to 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 breach that line, which they did ultimately. But um, it it looked like for some of the players, it was still sort of a struggle and still sort of a where where do we break this through? It took a perfect ball from 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 KDB to do it, but I thought that 
there was in part a Barcelona hangover and in part they really struggled both at finishing and at, at breaking down the wall that Middlesbrough set up, particularly in the first half. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I began being frustrated in the match almost um, within the first 10 minutes, you know, how bunkered in Middlesbrough were, but how insipid the attacks were from City. And five, five minutes would go by, 10 minutes, it was still the same thing, just, you know, everybody back from Middlesbrough and City just, they were not interested in, uh, in finishing. And the second half was completely different. And Pep actually said in his press conference, we played a different half in the second half that we, than we did in the first, but we didn't play bad. And I, that is, that's insane. That, that's not true whatsoever. The game was so much different in the second half because I thought they played, they played much worse than they, than they did in the first. If that makes any sense. It does make sense. And I, what I would say is that City almost seemed surprised that Middlesbrough had a plan B. Um, yeah. I, 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 I was really struck by that because they came out and they, they thought, they looked like they thought maybe they could, you know, they, that Middlesbrough were going to maybe sit back and hit them on the counter. But Middlesbrough were being a lot more proactive about things in the second half and were actually pushing forward. Even if it took them some time to get shots on target, it was clearly a very different half. Um, and City almost seemed surprised by that. They they walked through the first 45 minutes. Let's be, and that's not meant like it, particularly insultingly. It's that they weren't really made to do any defending at all. At all. They had pretty much all the possession. They had total control of the ball. They had total control of the game. It was either they were going to score or nobody was going to score. And they seemed surprised that Middlesbrough were suddenly playing to score or trying to score again after they'd gone behind. Um, you know, that second half, I found it really disheartening because I thought that there was so much good on display against Barcelona. And even in the first half, um, you kept thinking, you know, if you just get one of these through, then they're going to fall apart, Millsboro. They're going to fall apart. The wall's going to break down, and this might turn out to be 3-4. Um, obviously, they didn't get that breakthrough until very close to halftime. But I, I, I think the frustration comes from suddenly it looked like they'd subbed off 11 people at halftime for 11 clones of a Pellegrini team in the second half. And 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 that it drove me nuts. Honestly, that shouldn't have happened. They should have taken. They should have been able to take that goal from from right before the half, gone in with the wind, you know, under their sails, gone into halftime and come out and thought, all right, we're gonna go out there. We're going to go all out. We're gonna attack them. We're gonna get a second goal, and that will really weaken their resolve. That's what I wanted to see. And they came out sort of in cruise control, and Millsboro made them pay dearly for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, they actually had a decent other chance to score. It wasn't like they just had that that late sh uh, chance that they just happened to finish. They they really were attacking, and um, at times looked uh, the more dangerous team, which is insane considering what the first half looked like. So I think you're right. City just had no idea that Middlesbrough were ready to, to – implement a more attacking style after bunkering down, um, at, you know, after conceding a goal, having bunkered down. And, you know, City, like I said, you know, they weren't, and you said they just weren't prepared for that. And I don't know what that second half was, man. I don't even, I'm not really sure how to describe it. It was just, it was horrible. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would say that's the worst half they've played all season. No, but no, it's, but no, Pep said, Pep said they didn't play bad. <laughs> well, I disagree with Pep and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, it's just even 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 the Southampton the first half of the Southampton game didn't feel that it's it's it was just felt different it felt like first of all Southampton are a better team than Middlesbrough so they get we're we may be grading a little bit on a curve here but they are um and and second of all I think it came in such contrast to the first half, which we, we talked about. There were aspects of the first half that we didn't like, and they, we're not going to gloss over that. But overall, um, 
I, it was what I would call it. I was a winning half. They they were clearly the better team. They were clearly well on top. They, even beyond this, the goal scoring, they were far the likelier to do something with that half, even if their finishing was letting them down again. So I think the contrast between halves was so sharp that it made the second half you seem even more disappointing because, um, it, the, again, the first half wasn't the best half they've played all year, but they were so in control that you really thought, and maybe they really thought, well, we can really go from, we can take it from here because they don't offer anything. And they clearly had something to offer. And we, and maybe City got suckered into that. You would, you would, ex, you would yeah. hope and expect otherwise, but. No, uh, but you know what though? I, I, I do want to just bring up based on what happened. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons why football is so great. You know, this result is insane. You have a team that just is so much better uh, playing at home, but somehow, you know, at the end of the match, the other team scores and gets, steals a point, and it's it's unbelievable. And that's why we love, you know, watching football. So, you know, obviously I didn't, I didn't want Middlesbrough to score, but I just want to bring up the fact that in, in some ways this was like a, a classic football match. Uh, it, it really the, the jubilation by the Middlesbrough players and their fans in the corner was uh, was was something special. It really, really was. Um, and credit to them, you know, like like we said, they it could have very easily gone one nil down and just had oh darn, you know. But yeah. They had a plan B. They executed it. Um. We were made to pay, and there's, there's obviously City didn't play well in the second half, but Millsboro deserved credit for keeping their heads up and coming back out there, fully thinking because they, you could see they believed, they fully believed that they could get uh, a goal for themselves, and and it took obviously it took the entire second half into into basically, um, into stoppage time, but they got it, and so credit to them. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is going to happen, though. There, there are going to be games like this that happen, and where the result, while obviously important in terms of the table and the fact that, yeah, sure, they didn't play that well, there are going to be games that you know the better team doesn't win. I think yeah. we, you know it's going to yeah. be chalked up that, and you know don't need to read so much into it. But in this case, though, the second half was so terrible, um, and we've been harping on this inconsistency. Um, during matches and in between matches, um, it, something's going on here. Now, when they play 90 minutes, that's the that's the team that can win the league. Right now, they, they can't seem to play 90 minutes ever. So, I don't know. I mean, do you think that do you think that that's something that's being worked on slowly as not, the system gets better? What's yeah, happening that's there? A, that's a good question. It leads right into the next point I wanted to get to. I do want to say real quick that I said this on Twitter, and I want to say this here because, you know, I don't want to sound like like we're being very overly negative um, because I do th still think they could obviously win the league. Um, there's no doubt about that in my mind. But they have invited this sort of thing over and over again this season, and they hadn't really been made to pay for it every time. Um but they did uh, on on Saturday, and they will it will continue to happen if they don't start killing games. And I guess as to whether it's being worked on, I guess what I would ask is, what is what 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 are you? What's the fix? I guess is because is this? I I don't know the root cause of it. Is 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 what I would is what I would say to that. Is it? The, the inability to finish a game and run up the score and, you know, really put two, three, four past somebody once you get that first goal or, you know, once you have that second goal, getting the third goal. They did it against West Brom, obviously, but it's that was an exception to the rule. Is it a mental thing? Is it is it a fatigue thing? You know, I know we've just I've discussed this. I've sort of floated the possibility that that maybe, you know, they were they were still coming to grips with Pep's system because it's so demanding. But we're into November and this is still happening, which makes me wonder. You know, is it a mental thing? Is it a fatigue thing? I don't know. I don't know what you would work on without knowing the answer to that question. I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe one thing is 
understanding the system when during one match, a team completely changes its entire scheme. So there could be a situation like in the, you know, on Saturday where City, City could use the system well. They're, they're making the passes they needed to. They, they understood what they were doing. Everybody knew his place, you know, on the pitch, that kind of thing, but then were unable to change. Maybe because, maybe because they're not good at the system, uh, you know, good enough at the system to be able to adapt, uh, to such differences in the opponent, basically. But, I don't know if it's a fatigue thing. I mean, there's definitely a fixture congestion or congestion that, you know, but there are, I want to say what, eight, maybe 18 players on City's uh, squad that are proper people to start. I mean, it, you know, they have, they have the people that they need to play. I don't know if it's a fatigue thing. They should be able to plug in two or three players and rest, but still keep the system at 100%. So I'm not sure. It is, it is really, um, it really is obvious, though, the differences in the halves. Yeah, um, and it's not the first time that's happened either, which is why I won. Which is why you know that that seems that's the obvious first first thing that you blame. Um, I, 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 it's it's hard for me to diagnose because you have good finishers who either you know aren't quite getting there. or maybe one too many touches or um, a little bit of hesitancy or, you know, there was a chance that fell to Aguero in acres of space right at the penalty spot, like staring down the goalkeeper and he just blazed it way over the goal late in the second half. And obviously that loomed large when they came back and equalized. And it's just, you know, what do you say to that? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you say to that. Cause you've got the ball in, in the perfect position. You've got your striker who is world-class just staring down the keeper. If he hits the target, it's probably a goal, and he doesn't hit the target. I just I don't know what to say to that other than it's football. Um, exactly. No, I mean think about it. You're talking about a guy who scored an amazing goal against um, West Brom. Uh, that were his second goal. I mean, unbelievable, world class goal, and then that miss you just talked about. How is that the same person? That's ridiculous. I know, and it's so it's so frustrating because you figure obviously the ball's moving and he's moving, so it's not a penalty. Obviously, it's not exactly the same, but you would you would pick him to score there, given the situation. If you you gave if you put him in that situation a hundred times, I would say every single time I would say the odds are more likely than not that he's going to score, or at least hit the target from there. So right. it's 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 one of those things that. For for all the diagnosing you can try to do with that, a chance like that is just it didn't happen, and you wouldn't change anything about it. But it didn't happen, and I I think that's we get frustrated sometimes because. Yeah, but I wonder. I, I mean, I think about this though. If he does score that goal and it does become two 0 I think Middlesbrough, you know, commence just being incredibly, yeah. you know, just devastated. Yeah. We're not coming here with anything, and maybe. Yeah. City, you know, put another one in or they just win 2-0, I, th- I think our conversation would be so much different. I um, agree, yeah. I think it's game over at that point, and they just sort of capitulate. Not necessarily capitulate, but they don't really keep the – the energy goes out of them, I think. Their shoulders – They're not going to score twice. Right. There is the, the, uh, the, the theoretical slumping of the shoulders, it's just, well, we're beaten now. Um, so I agree completely. Um <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that finish was so difficult to watch. Or it was that, that lack of a finish was difficult to watch. It, it was, and it's just you know, like it's like you said. Sometimes these things just happen, and it's so frustrating yeah. that it costs them the points. But you know, and, yeah. and we shouldn't distill it down to that one moment either, because there were other but, chances. So I don't want to make it sound like like it was entirely his fault that we that they left with one point instead of three but that that's the most obvious most blatant chance that comes to mind that they didn't seize upon um yeah that's a good point i mean actually if you think about it this way you know that's that's one reason they didn't get three points the other reason was they failed to adapt when middlesbrough adapted uh, after the first half and then i i think the defense at the very end there the, the formation in the back uh cliche just didn't know there was another person coming in. Um, that cross wasn't dangerous enough 
uh, to beat four uh, four city players in the box. They just capitulated almost. It's yeah. incredible. You, I think those are the three things. Yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't be giving up a goal from that situation. It just shouldn't happen. Um, and I think it underscores the frustration that a lot of us have with how City have failed to reinforce at the fullback, particularly the left-back position, where it's been Kolarov and Klishy since the first time they won the title, and they haven't ever done anything about it, even as the rest of the club has grown around them. Um, and again, obviously, I, that's going into something else, but it's just... You you, you wonder, I guess, if... if, if a better left back is not so caught, really w- caught with his pants down, basically in in, this, yeah. in that situation. It's horrible. But I mean, I I would suggest you know to our our listeners to you know to watch that that goal again, like just you know kind of freeze frame where the defense uh, the were call it's like collar off stones. Clichy's in there. I think Fernandinho's back there. I don't even know. There, there are more City players back there, and it is just they have no, no one's marking the right person. It's not just Clichy's fault, and that obviously causes yeah. the goal. I mean, anyway, it, you know, it's fun to break down a goal. I think yeah. I've broken it down enough. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> and you, you can just sit here and and say that a lot of people did not do their jobs there, and they should have been better prepared for another last gasp attack. But you know. It's, yeah. it's just something that they're, you know, you'd like to see a little bit more organization and discipline in that situation, I guess, is what it boils down to. Um, yeah. Um, uh, are you worried about City's ongoing inability to keep clean sheets? Because they've only kept one in their last 11 fixtures, and that was the West Brom game. Um, and that dates all the way back um, to... To September, actually, the last clean they they kept the clean sheet against West Brom, and the most recent one before that was the four 0 win over Bournemouth on the seventeenth of September. Um, does does it does it worry you how leaky they are? Because you like to think you score one goal, and you're you you like to think that against most teams your defense will be able to keep the clean sheet, and you will have not that you should settle for one goal, but you. If you can break through, then you will be in really good shape. And it always feels like City, you know, it didn't. I didn't really feel super on edge on Saturday, but obviously they did give up the goal. And does it does it concern you that they just can't keep a clean sheet right now? Yeah, it does, especially in the case of the knockout stages of the Champions League. They got to be able to play their leg of the tie and and uh, keep a clean sheet if they're gonna make a run into the semifinal or something like that. So it really that really bothers me. However, in just regular league games, I, I think based on the possession and the, the number of opportunities, shots on target, all those kind of things, we we should be scoring about two goals a game. That should be our expected goal rate. Uh, so I'm I'm more worried about them giving up more than one goal, which they don't do a lot. Um, but I actually kind of expect them to, to give up one goal. And so that does give me pause. And I think what ha- ends up happening is, you know, the, the defense just isn't as good as, as the midfield or, uh, or Aguero. It's not the defense of a great club. And you're going to have games that uh, they're going to give up a goal that a, a better team would not give up. And um, it is worrisome. But like I said, it's really going to be important in a, in a – if it's in a away goal uh, in a Champions League knockout game that they're hosting. So, yeah, it's you, tough. Yeah, they're, you, they're not that great. Yeah, you make a really good point there because um, away goals are so so vital. And they did keep – they they held um, Real Madrid last year, barely, obviously, at home. Um, they held Dynamo Kiev. They held PSG scoreless at home. So that was a big part of why they got to the semifinals and why they had a chance going right down to the second leg in Madrid to get to the final. Um, And if you're, you know, we're obviously, we don't know. We first of all, we're not even, we don't know if they'll get out of the group. I think odds are more likely that they will than they won't. But assuming they do, 
you know, we don't know what kind of power you're going to be facing, or non-power, I guess, in the Champions League draw in a knockout round. Um, I, I You have to, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'll turn this into a little something else, because um, Joe Bailey, who comes on here, um, said on one of our podcasts a while back that City need to make this their their home ground a fortress again like they did under Mancini um there were they just did not drop many points at all um they're not they have dropped they have now have three consecutive home draws in the league um to Everton Southampton and Millersborough who are three teams that you would figure they should be beating um and and when they're doing that you, you just it doesn't feel like it's it's not that I don't have home 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 field an, an advantage from playing at home, but I think that they they need to turn that place into a place where people are really scared to come again because I I don't I I'm not going to speak for the opposition I don't know if there is some fear of coming to the Etihad, um, but I I get the impression that teams come thinking you know we're going to give it a go we're going to do our best. But it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's a fortress right now, for me anyway. And no, I'm, not, not, I'm not blaming that. Not. I don't. I want to make it clear that I'm not blaming that on the fans. I don't think that's the problem. But I think that they 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 need to win their their home matches. They need to take all the points that they can at home. They didn't do it last year. They they have been slipping a couple times this year, and I think that's a huge part of winning the title. And I I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but um, at, at some point, it has to stop, and they have to start claiming three points at home. And they don't play at home again until um, December now, because there's an international break, and they come off it with three straightaway games. But it, it, I think the the most frustrating part is, if this were happening on the road, games like this, would it be frustrating? You bet it still would be frustrating. But I think I would be able a, a little bit more... Not necessarily forgiving. That's the wrong word to use. But I think that it, I would be able to accept it a little better than if these things kept kept happening at home like they have. Yeah, you know, I you, you make really good points here, but I, I I I am not afraid to say that I will blame it on the fans, um, and I'll I'll <laughs> I'm going to do it just by using some facts. I think okay, and, and you just tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Did the did the fans at the game against Barca act differently than they did during the game uh, against Middlesbrough? I think yes. I think that's fair to okay. say. Okay. Okay. Right. It, it was a lot different on Saturday. It seemed like someone else had no one else had anything else to do, and someone was handing out tickets to go see uh, City play. And just everyone was just happy, wearing a little jacket. It was kind of cool and. It's just a fun thing to do, and they, it wasn't exciting at all. So I will blame the fans. If they, if the fans would have been like they were at the, during the Barca game, that game's completely different. So at risk of making uh, poor statements about the people that actually go to the matches, I will have to say that. I think it's, I think that's a fact, though. It's not really an opinion. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I will not dispute that the atmosphere was different. Um, I, I just, it, it seems. I, I don't I don't know because I'm you know we you get a different picture watching on TV so I don't I'm I'm loath to comment but obviously the atmosphere has felt different I think that's understandable um, I just on the on the clean sheet thing I would it it it, it concerns me um, it concerns me more um, more more for the Champions League like you said but you would all it also concerns me in who they're facing because you would think they would be able to hold a team like Middlesbrough the same way they held West Brom or that they would be able to hold Sunderland who scored in the first weekend of the season or that they would be able to hold um Southampton, like I said, they're a better team, but you would like to see them held scoreless at, at in during the home games. Um, 
it's just I guess the particular thing about about this game that makes it sort of a you know eh, annoying one for me is that like we said on the preview this is a team that just came up obviously I, I as I said they are the best of the three teams that just came up but at the same time they did still just come up and they'll almost certainly finish in the bottom half and possibly even the bottom five um if not bottom six so I don't know if they'll get relegated or not I I don't personally think they will but the frustration for me comes from from teams like this who are coming here and not only getting their scoring they are for part large parts of the game out playing or some parts of the game at least and it's it's just I understand that there's there's an adaptation to to the way that Guardiola asks his teams to defend. It is a demanding system, but this is a game that you should be able to hold a team like Middlesbrough and keep them out. I don't think there's any question about that. So yes, I am frustrated, and I am also very frustrated that City are not just cleaning up at home, especially against teams like this. Yeah, I mean they, you know, if when you when you have a clean sheet, I think the average is about 2.6 points or 2.5 points a game that you'll that you'll earn if you're able to keep a clean sheet. And um, that is it, when you go when you go to giving up one goal, that number goes down relatively uh, drastically. So they, if they can keep a clean sheet and they even if they're unable to finish that well, if they can just finish one. You know, definitely be able to average more points per game, but they're dropping way too many points at home. I mean, it's well, they've already dropped just six now, right? And uh, it's uh, yeah, right. I mean, so what I'm saying is, you know, if they're able to uh, clean it up in the back and actually have some clean sheets, they're going to get wins out of those games. As a matter of fact, it's only happened twice all year, and they have won. Uh, I'm sorry, three times this year, and they have won. So it's just uh. Dude, like I said, I think I said this the last time. The, the way we talk about the, uh, the defense next season is going to be so much different than this season. We're going to be plagued with issues about the you lack did. of quality. You did talk about that, and you know what? I'm, I'm not going to get into like too much transfer stuff right now because we don't have names or anything. We don't really have any idea other than we've talked about fullbacks at times. But I would be very surprised if maybe they did not sign another center back this summer with Otamendi not quite looking up to what Guardiola demands and company's fitness continuing to be a constant open question. Um, So I feel like Stones will have a year under the system one way or another. That will be, that will happen. I expect at least one new fullback, maybe two, uh, I think two might actually be very reasonable, um, and possibly another center back. So I completely agree. Between the added familiarity, and I think he will bring in a couple players that suit his style better than, say, a Kolarov or an Otamendi do, or a, definitely a cliche, then yes, I completely agree with you. I think that, that there's going to be... The, the evolution of the defense, I think, is going to be the lengthiest process of all here um, as, as this project unfolds, for me anyway. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one big thing about fullbacks uh, right now is I think that um, they're too old. Pep's system works much better with quick, young um, left and right backs, and he does not have that right now. I think that's, that'll be the way that he moves. and I'm not sure if he'll do anything in January, but that's got to be what he wants to do. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, and, and I know you were actually on the on the pod that we talked about this, I think he will wait to sign the right player and not just sign someone for the sake of it in January. But I, I think that that he will... I think they'll at least assess things in January and see if there's any route they can go that gets a Guardiola player in at the, at, while also, you know, not compromising on quality while also doing it expediently. I think that is something they will look at. Um, yeah. Whether they succeed, I don't know. I'm skeptical because these things tend to not happen in January. But I, I would love... It would be great if they did. I would love it if they did because um, 
you know, we've talked about Zabaleta on here, and we know that as much as great as he is, has been, and whatnot, there is obviously a, a the age thing has become a serious issue, and his physical attributes have begun to erode. And this cliche just doesn't fit a, a Guardiola system at all. There's no two ways about it. Um, it's it's not necessarily that he's a bad player. It's just that he doesn't make sense as a fit. So I like I do think that they will assess things in January, and I don't know if they'll succeed, but I think they'll try. Um, obviously, I don't. They're not getting Bellerin in January or anything like that, but. No, no. I think if they could lo- if they could find a left back, that would be really, really, really nice because I think yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it'd it's, be fantastic. It would be fantastic, and that is my biggest frustration with what the team's transfer business has been. And I know that fullbacks, there's not just this abundance of world class fullbacks lying around, but they just haven't really. The only fullback that they have signed in the last five years is Bakary Sanya, who is also older. He's been very good, but he's not a long-term solution. So I think that that always has been and remains my biggest gripe with, with Cheeky and everyone else who has been in charge of transfer business under both Mancini and Pellegrini ever since they bought um, Clichy in 2011. It's just it's stagnated, and they continue to let it stagnate. And Obviously, it's not the reason they're losing that they're dropping points like they did on Saturday, but it's just for for a team with the ambitions of Manchester City, the, the, those positions are not up to par right now. Right? Yeah, I mean they're not, and that's why every week it's just uh, whom shall we plug in in right and left back? And it's like, okay, this, all right, you're the best we have. Uh, Let's go out there and try and do your best. You're not really good enough to play on this squad, and next season we're going to get a replacement for you. So that's just the way it is for, yeah. for those uh, two positions. Now, I, the only thing I want to bring up, though, about that is, I mean, do you think Maffeo can – can we see him play, you think, at all? At this point, I'd kind of like to. I mean, how bad – how yeah. badly do right backs have to play – yeah. Until he's allowed to play. Yeah, I I, I agree, um, because he has looked good in the limited duty that they've given him. He looked competent enough to play. Obviously, they put him out there against a rather desperate United side in the League Cup that needed to find a way to win that game for for their own good, um, and it was a pretty strong team. And I thought he acquitted himself well. So you think, you know, give him a couple chances and let's see what you got here. How many, you know, I guess that's the question for me is how many fullbacks do you need to sign? If you can promote Maffeo, uh, I don't think it removes the need to sign a fullback, but I think it also gives you valuable, valuable cover and the knowledge that we don't need to sign a ton of fullbacks, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes, yeah. I mean, that's that's really a good point because um, in Pep's system, the left and right backs are really important. They need to be quick. And um, like I said, they, they, they should be young. And you need to have, um, you know, you can easily have injuries uh, with the amount of running those positions do in Pep's system. So you're going to have to have some people you can, you know, bring on um, when you're, you know, let's say we signed two really good fullbacks uh, during the uh, summer window. Yeah, we got to have people uh, that can fill in because you know, there are going to be injuries. I mean, there are injuries. I mean, right now, Rakhri Sanya can't play, you know, and, and that really hurts the back line. I mean, he, yeah. he even though he's 33 years old, he is definitely the best right back. And it means that Zavaleta can barely get a rest. Um, yeah. Which makes him look worse. So <laughs> it's... Uh, it's, it's, Gosh. it's so, I could, I could go on about City's fullback I know. movement for, for you probably, like, I, think, I could probably do an entire hour podcast on it. And just, I was going to say, I think it might need to go see a therapist. <laughs> I know. I, I could go on about it for, and I have gone on about it, and I still am going on about it right now as we speak, <laughs> so I'm going to stop, but, um, they need to do something. I think we can, we can agree on that. <laughs> we um, can agree on that. We can agree on that. All right. Um, we, we got a listener question this week from, 
We like those. We do like those. Um, and I don't like when we get names that are clear that I will probably mess up, but we're going to give it <laughs> a shot. Um, Laurent Cortines. He's, he's a regular follower on Twitter. I know him. I'm just not good at these pronunciations, okay? So please. <laughs> I, I, we follow you from the American Citizens Twitter account. We interact with you from the American Citizens Twitter account. I just don't know how to pronounce your name because I'm a dumb American. So please do not hold that against me. Um, but his question to us. On a scale of 1 to 10, how frustrating are these games? 10 being worst, 6 points dropped, even 4 if you want to give Southampton credit. So I think he's talking about the last three home draws. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most frustrating. How frustrating do you find these games? Um, I find them to be probably, I would say maybe a 2. I'm not really that frustrated. It, 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 like when I, when I watched the game on Saturday... Part of me was just kind of laughing. I was just like, "This is yeah. ridiculous." Yeah, it's not really. So it's not. I mean, yeah, it's not fun, but I can't really say it's more than like out of a scale of one to ten that it's more of more than two because it's just silly. It's silly. It can't go on for this much longer. It's 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 not so frustrating because I just think it's abnormal and, and it'll go away. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily indicative of anything going forward. The Everton game, I would give like a one or two, because after that one, I just held my hands up and was like, well, it did not happen. Okay, whatever. Um, I would probably go slightly higher on the other you two. Gotta, yeah, you got to go higher because of the fullbacks. Think about the fullbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give them, I will give them a four. How's that for the last <laughs> two? Because like I said, I don't think this disqualifies them. Um, every team in the Premier League this season that even the ones that call themselves title contenders have had moments this year where they have looked downright stupid. If we, if we can be rather blunt about it, Um, city are going, have gone through, let's be honest, a a rather significantly rough patch that has been fits and starts and things like that. Um, Liverpool went and lost to Burnley. Um, they have. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Though, that's a diff- That's a much different Liverpool. Oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah that team has nothing to do with the current Liverpool. No, I'm not not disputing that at all. Um, they've they've been they they've had their their moments. Chelsea had a really bad stretch before they have come on like gangbusters in the last um, four four or five actually. They look, they look brilliant. They do, and that's. I think that is. I think they are of the teams that have the new managers. They are the ones that have adapted most quickly to um, what their manager wants them to do. City are, you can see are still a work in progress, but Conti has Chelsea playing fantastically right now. Um, yeah. Arsenal are Arsenal for better or worse. They have, now, I, know, I mean, Arsenal are, are just, they're this team and, and uh, happens to play in the Premier League. And they uh, they qualify for the Champions League and get knocked out during the knockout stage. They never win the championship. So I don't even want yeah. to talk about it. They're just yeah. a waste of one's time. <laughs> yeah. They, my, my point being they got one point from their first two. They drew at the weekend. They drew against Middles. They, they also drew at, Har- I mean, they also <laughs> drew at home against Middlesbrough. So maybe we should feel less stupid over that. Um, Tottenham have mastered the art of the draw. Um, yeah. Particularly the scoreless of the score, the scoreless variety. They've drawn against Arsenal. They've drawn against Leicester. They've drawn against Bournemouth. They've drawn against West Brom. They have drawn against. I know that's not it. Yeah, they've drawn against Liverpool. They've drawn against Everton. They are. They don't offer a ton without Harry Kane up front, and they have him back now. But even then, this is a team that. They drew a lot last year, and they're drawing a lot this year. So, you know, they're not exactly burning the house down, so to speak. So, for for all the troubles that City have put themselves through in the last month or so, I guess, they're still only two points off the pace um, in, in the Premier League behind Liverpool and Chelsea, who are both looking very good. But, you know, we haven't even met them yet. So, it's... Far, far too early to fret for me, if if you if you ask me. 
Um, obviously, they have to stop drawing at home. Um, there's no disputing that, but I'm not sitting here tearing my hair out and thinking, oh gosh, we're going to fall behind or anything like that. I'm not to that point, and I'm not particularly close to that point. So it's it's just, you know, get better, get, start killing off games, fix it. I think City's problems are very fixable, and I think they're pretty close to being where they want to be, but they need to do some things better, and we both agree on that. So I'm not, yeah. near, I'm not remotely close to panic mode or even ter- overly concerned mode, um, but, you know, just some things need to be worked on, and I... A trust that they are being worked on. So, yeah, I get, you know this this team is um, is good enough to win the league. The question is whether they're going to play well enough to win the league. And you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a team like Liverpool and a team like Chelsea, um, you know, being as good as they are this season. This is going to be a, if they win the league, this is a big deal. You know, I know Champions League is, I would say, the most important. But winning winning the uh, Premier League with these really good teams is going to be difficult. And if they do it, they will be. Um, they're going to have to be as good as they, you know, as the players they have, you know, should be. And we'll see what happens. They, they can't. They certainly can't drop points against uh, a lot of points against Liverpool or Chelsea. Um, and they need to be. And they need to be, you know, better at keeping clean sheets, like you said, getting more points per game, um, you know, in the Premier League. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how how they play against Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah. Those are going to be great games. And we're going to get to see one of them fairly soon. soon. Fairly soon. I know. It's going to be great. I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. 3rd of December. Mark your calendars for City versus Chelsea. Well, we got an international break coming up, so I don't know. We'll we'll probably come at you once over the break, someone in some regard will. But um, Ian, if you have anything that you would like to add before this two-week absence of football, club yeah. football at least, um, the floor is yours. No, I think um, everyone enjoyed the terrible, terrible thing that is the international break. And um, are these even say- meaningful? Are these even meaningful? Games, or are they friendlies? <laughs> No, some of them. No, actually, some of them are meaningful. Oh well, that's a nice change of pace. Yeah, it's a little bit of change, but and just everyone pray that no, no city no players get hurt. No one get hurt. Yes, um, <laughs> that's the main thing. So um, should, we, should we do our yeah. usual international break bet? If, like, if you had to pick one city player, that oh, okay, that's a good idea. Get, that you think will get injured over the international break, <laughs> what? Who will it be, and how? That's a, that's a great idea, and I think that would be a great thing for the people to follow. Um, the podcast on Twitter to put on there. I'd be interested to see who people think is uh, is going to get injured. I think I would say Otamendi is going to get injured. Do you think I should take the low hanging fruit? No, you can't. I already. I I wasn't going to say. Do I, not say. It. I don't think say we that. all know what it is, so I won't. No, say but it. don't say that. I won't say it. Um, pick somebody else. Silva will get some sort of niggle with Spain. Uh, that's a good. Uh, that, that's a good. Good guess. I, I assume he got called up. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm. I'm going to. I should probably confirm this to make sure, but um, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't have been. Um, okay. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> that's my call. I'm going to stick to it. Um, there. There we go then. So. That's a good ritual that the pod should do before every international break absolutely um if it, re- it really just like, it really solidifies how idiotic the international breaks it are does. i feel like at the I, on one hand i want to like keep a scoreboard but on the other i feel like that would be tempting fate for these to actually <laughs> happen so i don't know if we'll do that but um there you go you have our picks it will happen it, it will happen. I mean, there's, the, the next one isn't until March, but in one of these oh, next thank, two. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. So, I'll do my best to enjoy not watching football. I don't yeah. know what I'll do. Yeah, um, we'll find something. But else. maybe we'll come at like Maybe we could do something before 
the next game. Perhaps. Um, yeah, absolutely. Even now. So, so tweet us with your thoughts on which city player you think is most likely to get hurt over the international break. It can be in training. It can be in a match. It can be from a freak gardening accident. It can be whatever you want it to be. Just anyone to get hurt before they reconvene with Manchester City. Go for it. You can tweet us at America Citizens. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you can tweet us at America Citizens with your guesses. If you want to get detailed, you can say when you think it will happen or how you think it will happen. Um, the, the, it's it's You have a blank canvas of 140 characters in front of you if you want it. So please be creative and be imaginative. Not too creative and too imaginative perhaps, but we are happy to hear your guesses. So you might as well. I'm sure that you have come up with a lot of good ideas uh, during your time on this planet, but this idea of gambling on, uh, or guessing who's going to get injured has got to be pretty high up there. This is a really good idea. It's a good idea. Josh and I did this last time. I think we did both ended up being wrong. So, you know, maybe maybe we're good luck. Maybe we have a reverse jinx. I guess we'll find out, won't we? So no low, but we can't pick low hanging fruit. No low hanging fruit, yes. Um, all right. Well, in that case, um, all right. like I said, you can follow us at America Citizens on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you have not already, and you can get us delivered straight to your device of choice. And... Like we'll figure something out. Some 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 combination of people will probably talk to you at some point before the international break is over. We run a very tight ship here. So um, <laughs> on these <laughs> always fall apart at the end. I tell you. No, um, this is great, dude. You're gonna have to edit things. That's right. But again, thanks thanks for listening to the podcast. On Ian's behalf, we really appreciate it. We love the questions. We love interacting with you guys and we hope we will be doing it again soon so thanks for listening enjoy the international break however you choose to do so however you choose to entertain yourself and we will talk to you again in the near future thanks again for listening have a great week everybody